Hello. Thank you so much, Jose, for the kind introduction. Yes, like you said, my name is Ian Nelson. I'm the vice president of an organization called Remember New. I, prefer, I would prefer to introduce myself as the vice president of the United States of America. That's just not true. That'd be more epic, though. Um, but yeah, as Jose mentioned, uh, pastored. I pastored for just over about 10 years um, in Oregon, uh, in Corvallis, and then here in Portland, uh, Jose is just a dear friend of mine. I love Jose and Carmen. Um, actually, I honestly mean this when I say that Jose is one of the most impressive and influential leaders in my life. He's been such an incredible mentor to me over the years. Um, I respect him so much as a friend, as a man, as a pastor, a leader, a visionary, a fiery evangelist. Um, and I've learned so much from him over the years. The way that he passionately loves God and, and loves and pours into his family. I want to emulate that. I want to be like you. And it's such a, such a joy for me to be here speaking today. You guys have an amazing leader. And I've had the joy of working with so many other incredible people in this room. I mean, Brandon and Nate, Lonnie, all kinds of, Penny Stady, really cool people around here that I've seen behind the scenes who are just the real deal. And so this is uh, many ways today. It's just like being with family on Mother's Day, which is such a joy for me to be here. So I mentioned I, I pastored for about a decade and much to uh, my wife, Sarah, and, and my surprise, uh, about two and a half years ago, God gave us what we call a new assignment in life, and that's to go be a part of helping protect children from being trafficked into the global child sex trade through Remember New, and that's been one of the single greatest joys of our life so far. I'll share uh, a little more about that later, but real quick, would you just join me in saying a prayer before we get into the scriptures? God, I thank you so much uh, for the way that you love every single person who has walked into this room. And right now, to the best of our ability, we just want to tune our ears to hear your voice, to hear how you would want to speak to us today through the scriptures. You say, uh, my sheep know my voice and hear my voice. And so help us to hear your voice today. Pray you'd encourage people. Jesus, thank you that you are the best thing that we could ever encounter or know or experience. We love you. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day, uh, all of you moms in the room. You guys are amazing. My wife, Sarah, is uh, the mother, of course, of my two children, Grayer, who's five years old, and Ruby, uh, who just turned three. And I am so uh, continually blown away by how my wife just pours into uh, our kids so selflessly day in and day out. I'm also very grateful for my own mother, Debbie Nelson. I'm gonna put a picture of my mother, Debbie, and I up on the screen. This is back when both of us had epic hair. And she is an amazing mom. She's impacted my life in so many ways. And as I reflect on my mother's influence in my life, she's impacted my life specifically in two massive ways. One, she has literally saved my life hundreds of times. Uh, when, when I was born, I was actually born with a rare uh, condition type of infant sleep apnea, where for the whole first year of my life, uh, often in the middle of the night when I was deep in sleep, I would forget how to breathe, and I'd stop breathing. And so over the first year of my life, I was hooked up to a heart monitor. They called me the bionic baby. I had all these wires coming out of me. And whenever I'd stop breathing in the middle of the night, I'd go, eh, eh, eh. My mom would get up and, and have to, you know, tap me. And so I'd take a breath. And uh, you can imagine the stress 
that that added to my mom's life and the years that it took off of her life for so many uh, years. And those of you in the room who parent uh, young children, you know that half of the job early on is just keeping the little things alive, right? And uh, God bless you in that mission. That's so important. Um, As I grew older, I was also just a major adrenaline junkie. I mean, for years growing up, I I don't know what happened, but I I was about as smart as a two by four for a long stretch and just tried the stupidest things that she saved my life from so many times, so many stories I could tell. But second and even bigger than that, a huge way that my mom has impacted my life, her and my dad uh, continually pointed us to Jesus. They loved Jesus and taught us growing up to love Jesus as children and through my years of youthful rebellion, Uh, and being slow to really commit my life to God, my parents persisted in pointing me to Jesus and prayed for me for years. Moms in the room never underestimate the power of a mom who prays continually for her children. That has so impacted my life. And I'm well aware that I'm part of what is sadly a growing minority in the church today in that both of my parents uh, are still together to this day. They both loved Jesus and taught us kids to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that my family experience has been free of difficulty, and I'll share more on that in a little bit. Um, But I'm I'm so grateful uh, for the way that my parents led us children to the Lord and modeled that to us. And I try never to take that for granted. Interestingly enough, though, my work uh, in pastoring over the years and now with uh, the global anti-human trafficking work I do with Remember New, I believe I also have received, in a way, a unique front row seat to the systemic brokenness and pain and messiness of family on planet earth. And as Jose mentioned, um, I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to talk about family. What is God's design and hope for the family today? Um, I'm going to share in a little bit later about Remember New and the work we do. But more than anything, my prayer is that this would be an encouragement to wherever you're at in your journey today as a disciple of Jesus and your experience of family as a human being. And if you're new to the church or brand new to this, you're welcome here. I hope it's a blessing to you. We're going to dive right into it though. Please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. You know, in the beginning of the Bible, God creates everything, the heavens and the earth, and then in a garden right in the center of the world, God starts humanity with a family, Adam and Eve. And in verses 27 and 28, we have what Bible scholars refer to as the creation mandate, where God gives sort of the marching orders to humanity. And this is what it says in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And so, by the way, if you're new to the church, or to the Bible, you may not realize the very first command in the scriptures is to make babies. That's the very first command. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you guys, walk in the halls this morning, this church, you don't have a problem with this. You don't, okay? You've been mandating, you know, you've been creating, okay? So well done. Now, in the wake of Jesus in the New Testament, you know, does the creation mandate here mean that everyone, every follower of Jesus today needs to have children? And what about Paul talking about the importance of singleness and committing to a life of singleness in the New Testament? I think there's all kinds of grace and flexibility on this stuff since the cross and resurrection. That's a whole other conversation. But what I want you to realize here is that from the beginning, God's plan for advancing humanity and developing men and women as the people of God is through family. God creates humanity through a family, Adam and Eve. And then he creates a people, Israel, also through a family, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, later in the Old Testament, is a very significant text uh, in Israel's history as a people. In the Hebrew, they call it the Great Shema. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your who? Children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so the center of Israel's identity from God that he gives them, the calling of God's people is to love God with all that they are, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then notice to teach and pass that down to their children. And so God's good design for family, you could argue that family is God's primary discipleship plan for planet Earth, that men and women would love and follow God with their entire being and then raise children who would love God and follow him with all that they are, who would then have their own children who they raised to love God, and so forth and so on. If you're taking notes this morning, you want to write down, family is both a joyful calling and a significant responsibility. And so all throughout the Bible, including, of course, the New Testament, the calling of the nuclear family is so significant and powerful. And so the biblical authors pay attention to this, and we have all these encouragements and admonitions, uh, you know, from the New Testament authors uh, with the various dynamics and roles that family play and how we're to live that out as disciples of Jesus. For example, you have the roles of husband and wives in the Scripture and the, the calling for marriages to be built on the foundation of Jesus where each spouse in mutual submission is modeling the self-sacrificial love of Jesus and placing the needs of your husband or wife above your own. That's the calling for all of us who are married in the room, to have a foundation in a marriage and in the family that is centered on Jesus, to forgive, to cover one another in your marriage with grace, to love and to serve one another as husbands and wives. We have callings, parents to children, as I was just mentioning, the importance of raising kids to love Jesus, not just to be good kids who follow rules, but that have passion for Jesus in their lives. There's a need for dads today to be present in the home, in the lives of our children, to be modeling passion and fervor for Jesus, to be spiritual leaders in the home, to model godly work ethic and grace and compassion in our own lives. And mothers, again, we can't say enough to you today on Mother's Day. Um, first, first off, I just have to say to you, Women in the room today who are mothers, there is a way that you reflect the image of God to the world, to the church, to all of us in ways that no one else can through your strength and courage as a mom, through your continual love and sacrifice as a mother, your hard work. I know it's hard work. Um, you, you, there is such a need in the church today and in the world for your testimony and the work that you're doing in raising children to love Jesus is so important. Keep going. Keep shining. I pray that you'd be encouraged today on Mother's Day. We so appreciate and value you. And then there's this role of, uh, of children to parents, of course, in the family and the calling on us as kids. You know, in the home, there's uh, commands in the New Testament, children, obey your parents. And some of you youngsters in the room, you need to hear that today. Obey mom and dad. There's going to be a bunch of dumb decisions that they're going to save you from that could mess up your life greatly. Listen to them. Obey them. You know, when it says in Ephesians, children, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life on the earth, right? 
It's for your own well-being. And of course, uh, as kids get older, and the, the dynamic changes, you know, the, the, uh, the Bible says there's a time where a man will leave his father and mother and, and start his own family. Um, but there's still something to be said today about honoring our parents. As adult children in the room, I get a unique perspective traveling around the world and the work I do, um, similar to Jose, and I always marvel at the fact that when I go out east, honoring the elderly is at one of the highest cultural priorities, out east. This side of the world, not so much, right? In the west, we worship youth, and sadly, the elderly are often marginalized societally. There's something about that that's wrong, that's not right. We're called to model a better way of family to the world. How can you at this point in your life, children, no matter what age you are, honor your father and mother? And then we have what I call uh, the cross-generational influence. It's the role that we all play together, aunts and uncles with nieces and nephews, um, grandparents in the room. Obviously, your job as a parent is equally important if your kid's in an office cubicle as it is if your kid, back when your kid was in diapers. But the role that you also play to your grandchildren, there's this idea throughout scriptures, these, these uh, commands and admonitions, like in the Psalms that say, declare the marvelous works of God from one generation to the next, right? And we play a role. It takes an army to raise a kid in the family. These are all such important callings from God. And family is in so many ways a joyful calling. Uh, those of you in uh, very loving families or godly, healthy marriages, you, of course, experience the joy side of this, and we see God's good design for humanity and the family. However, that might be God's good intention for the world uh, and his call on humanity for followers of Jesus, but, but what I was just describing, that isn't always the way that it works out in families today in our world, is it? No. You know, after, for example, in the scriptures, after the creation mandate and Adam and Eve um, sin enters the picture, and then death, Adam and Eve are in conflict. Adam and Eve's children start murdering one another. Things get bad really fast, and the sting of sin starts to make its way through the family at a systemic level. And today, you and I live in the aftermath of human sin infecting the family. You know, for many of you across this room, the idea of family is awesome and conjures up warm, fuzzy emotions today. You know, heartwarming memories of Christmas mornings and camping trips and vacations to Disneyland. And that's great. But for others in the room today, the idea of family is like a punch in the gut. And days like Mother's Day can be very difficult days for many people to get through because you've suffered the sting of human sin and brokenness in a family, a father who wasn't there, uh, a mom who was abusive, adultery, dysfunctionality, uh, divorce. Human sin has wreaked havoc on the state of the family today. We need hope. We need healing. Uh, I mentioned, you know, how grateful I feel to have parents who are still married and who raised us to love Jesus, but that doesn't mean uh, that my family experience has been free of pain. Uh, for example, on one hand, my dad is estranged from his whole side of the family uh, for years, and that's caused a lot of pain for all of us. There are missing memories uh, there are relationships that aren't close in our extended family that still hurts to this day. Uh, sometimes the way that sin enters and disturbs the family is through sin and conflict. Other times it's through death and loss, right? Mother's Day is an interesting day for my wife Sarah and I um, because four years ago on Mother's Day we miscarried our second child. And so now each year on Mother's Day, we get to remember that pain. And our hearts so 
go out to uh, anyone in this room who's experienced uh, the loss of a child, a, a spouse, a parent, or loss of another family member or loved one and the, that, that has left you reeling. We live in a fallen world where family is broken and affected by sin and death. And the pain of sin and death in family, as most of you know, it's universal, by the way. It crosses borders. Here's a picture of a few of the girls that we help in Myanmar, the country that Jose mentioned. Uh, as he said, Myanmar, formerly known as Burma, very unique country in the world that due to the uh, military regime was closed off to the rest of the world for a really long time and to this day is struggling with civil and religious war. These girls were living in the war zone up in the northeast of Myanmar in the Shan state. Two of the girls on the left are biological sisters. Long story short, their dad was an alcoholic. Uh, he left them when they were very young and then their mother passed away from a sickness, and they were living, it's 17 and 12-year-old sisters, the 17-year-old kind of took on the motherly mantle and was working hard in grain fields, trying to make a life in the little shack they're living in that's right down the street from where soldiers um, are commonly raping young girls and where there's groups of people who traffic children into the global child sex trade. When we found them, they were highly at risk, and praise God, we were able to take them into Remember New. My question is, what is the hope for children like this around the world? What's the hope for people like you and I in this room who have experienced the sting of sin and death in family and carry those wounds in our lives? Uh, if you resonate with that in any way, three pieces of encouragement for you today that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. First, God's grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. The Apostle Paul, he suffered tremendously, he suffered persecution, physical ailments, many scholars think the loss of his family, and in his second letter to the church at Corinth, he pens these beautiful words, a promise from God, where God says, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness, meaning whatever you carry in here today from familial pain or background, whatever you're currently going through, where there's pain, where there's suffering, where there's bewilderment, where you don't have the answers, you don't know how to proceed, there's a promise from God that as you come to him in Jesus, his grace is sufficient to carry you. That when you're going through that, when you're feeling those things, when you come to God with that, his presence meets you in a very special way and has the power to carry you forward. Doesn't make the pain go away, doesn't make everything better, but there's hope. There's hope for you. His grace is sufficient. Second piece of encouragement for you, what other hope do we have? God can somehow work even this out for good in some way in your life. He can somehow, even with all the pain and brokenness, make something beautiful out of all of it. It's this amazing promise that no matter what happens to you as a child of God, um, when, we, when we read Romans 8, 28, we, we learn how God in his omnipotence, his power, his sovereignty, he can take anything and somehow work it for a greater good in light of eternity and your life. Doesn't mean God caused the sin or the evil or the, the death uh, that you're suffering from in your life, but it means that he's with you and in his power as you come to him and love Jesus and live according to his purpose, he can take and work some greater good out of it. It's an amazing promise from scriptures. Those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, many of you have started to see how this promise has already been playing out in some of your lives. Again, doesn't make everything all great. There's still pain, but there's hope that God can make something beautiful out. We can't live without hope. 
But with hope, we can move forward. We can keep going. In Jesus, there's hope. And then third piece of encouragement for you today, and this is a big one, God gives us a new family to be a part of, a spiritual family. Turn to Mark chapter 3. In the New Testament, I know I'm kind of hopping around the scriptures today. Thanks for bearing with us. Have a couple more passages to look at before we finish. Mark chapter 3. You guys have to understand, the weightiness of the gospel is that God doesn't abandon us in our sin and the brokenness of family, but the gospel is that he steps into the story in Jesus who came to die for our sin and raised from the dead three days later. And when Jesus comes, interestingly enough, he had some big things to say about family. For example, in Mark Chapter 3, verse 31, this is what it says. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you, Jesus. Who are my mother and my brothers? Jesus asked. And I love this. Jesus, by the way, has a great sense of humor. Uh, Here he is in front of a crowd of people, you know, teaching. Some of the disciples walk up, hey, Jesus, excuse me, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And Jesus is essentially, initially, he's ignoring mom, right? How many of you tried this ever growing up? Be honest, it's Mother's Day, right? So you're going to be held accountable, a lot of you this day. How many of you tried this growing up? You know, this tactic where, you know, Ian, come take the trash out. Who is my mother? (laughs) Right? Right? I dare you to try that one later this afternoon. Good luck with that, right? But Jesus, he's trying to make a point out of this. This is why it's, it's, whoa, what is Jesus talking about here? Look at verse 34, what he goes on to say. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is inaugurating a brand new kind of family, not bound by biological ties, but bound by the blood of Jesus Christ and obedience to the will of God. Whoever does God's will is my family. Turn over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. The New Testament authors are elaborating on this idea of the family of God. Look at verse 14. Paul writes this. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And if you're one of those old souls who still carries what we call a hard copy version of the Bible, and you're an underliner, I encourage you, underline the word father and underline the word family in verses 14 and 15. If you're taking notes, write down, the church is a family. God is the father, okay? That's how it starts and why we're a family. God is our father. And you have to understand, he's a good father, He's a good father. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul says, Praise be to God the Father who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Meaning, anything good that God could bless you with spiritually, he's not withholding from you. It's yours in Jesus. And Paul says in Ephesians 1, in his love, he has adopted us as his sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. It's this idea that when we were orphaned in a sense, when we were lost in what the Bible says our trespasses and sin, God in his extreme love wanted us and comes after us to adopt us as his sons and daughters. There's a well-known story that maybe some of you have heard before about a woman by the name of Marianne Bird. Now, Marianne Bird grew up years ago, back in like the 30s and 40s. Um, but she was, uh, when she was born, she was born deaf in one ear, and she was also born with a cleft palate. Uh, this was long before reparative surgery was an available, easily available option. 
And uh, there was things as a child that were very difficult for her, having a, a disfigured face. She couldn't, you know, blow up a balloon. She couldn't drink water out of a fountain without it running out of her mouth. And the kids in grade school were merciless, always making fun of her, uh, you know, pointing out and asking her, what happened to your lip? And she writes in her memoir that I would lie and say I cut it on a piece of glass because she was embarrassed. And for Marianne Bird, the least favorite day of the year for her each year was the day of the hearing test. Because back in those days, they did what was called a whisper test, where in grade school, one by one, each kid had to come sit on a chair in front of the class, and the teacher would come up, cover one ear, and whisper a sentence that they had to repeat back as a way of testing their hearing. And they'd always uh, say something like, the sky is blue. Or they'd say, oh, you have new shoes today. And the kid had to repeat it back. Marianne Bird was always mortified of this, having to get up in front of the class. She already had bad hearing in one ear. The kids would make fun of her. But she says this year, one year in grade school, it was different because she had a teacher named Miss Leonard who was a very good-hearted woman. And what made it so different, Marianne Bird writes in her memoir, she said, I never could have imagined or guessed what God must have given this woman to say to me that day and how it would impact me so deeply because in that moment when it was my turn and I was in front of the class and they were laughing at me, Miss Leonard leaned into my ear and she says, spoke seven words that forever changed the course of my life when she whispered in my ear, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. And the power of being wanted by someone who matters, it changes Everything. Listen, when you understand that God, the Father, the eternal, all-powerful, holy God of all the universe, wants you to be his son, to be his daughter, that he wants you as his child, it changes everything. And when you respond to his love and his invitation through putting your faith in Jesus, you are adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. And so in the Bible, the church is known as the family of God. And so if you're following Jesus today, whether you like it or not, you're a part of this new kind of family. Paul says in heaven and on earth, dead and alive, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, cat or dog lover, athlete, hipster, you know, young, old, vegan, normal eater, or whatever. <laughs> We're part of a family in Jesus. We come together with all of our unique differences and diversity, and he's making us one. I call it the beautiful mess right, where God has brought us all together and we're rough around the edges, we're all a work in progress. Every single one of us in this room needs grace. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Did you know that? I've heard it said, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you ever find one, don't go there, you'll ruin it, right? We all need God's grace. He's sanctifying every single one of us, but he brings us together as this beautiful new spiritual family. Does that negate our biological or nuclear families? And the, the role that we're called to play by God, absolutely not. If you're blessed to be a part of that, still one of the primary callings of discipleship in your life. Cultivate that. Be faithful with that more than ever. But have, you have to realize the bigger picture, we're now a part of a greater, even more significant, and eternal family, the church. And, and so we're called to care for one another, to do life together, to be in relationships, uh, to be there for one another when we're hurting. We don't forsake the gathering of God's people. We come together in a local expression to do church. And so I encourage you today at this church at 26 West, dive into community and relationship. Get involved. You know, in a healthy family, everyone pitches in, right? Find a place to serve. 
uh, we're the body of Christ. You each have gifts to offer. Get involved. Sign up today to serve here at 26 West. The church is a family. And understand, because we're a family, all serving the same Father, the more you experience your family together in loving community, the greater experience you'll have of your Father, God. One last major thought that we see in the Bible on family, and one that's very dear to my heart, being the family of God means that we are also called to be family to those who literally do not have it. And this idea is all throughout the scriptures, a, a big one in the New Testament. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, James refers to God as the Father. So again, this is family language. And he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All throughout the Bible, you will find that God's heart breaks in a special way for those in society who are disadvantaged or at a loss when it comes to family. Uh, Children who are without their moms and dads, the widow who is fending for herself. Uh, You know, all throughout the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the people of Israel, God pleads the case with the people of Israel for the orphan and the widowed and the oppressed of the earth. Anyone that society uh, would take advantage of or who is vulnerable in society, Israel is continually called to come to the aid of them. In fact, this is so important to Jesus when he comes, he reinforces it more than ever when he says, that which you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. That's how important it is to Jesus. And one of the crucial roles that all of us in the family of God are called to play is being family for those who do not have it. That we would take any position of advantage or privilege, resource, strength, or stability that we have in our lives and that we would come to the aid of those who are disadvantaged and don't have the ability to help themselves in life and in the world. Every follower of Jesus is called to this form of pure and faultless religion. That's what God the Father calls us to. And 26 West is amazing. Is an amazing church. You heard Jose at the beginning sharing about your heart to come and do the work of Jesus in many countries and places around the world. I'm hearing amazing things all the time. You know, you guys are getting shoes for 300 kids in Uganda. That is just incredible stuff. And those of you who serve with any ministries to widows, to the poor, or the homeless, you know, you've experienced the joys and the challenges but also the special favor of God when we live this stuff out. I'm sure many of you in this room are on the front lines of of living this scripture out with children uh, through the forms of foster care and adoption. We, We commend you. You are doing the work of God. It's so important. And because Jose has been so kind to allow me to share, I'd love to share with you the story of how Remember New got started. Uh, Because one, uh, I think it ties all of these ideas of family together that I'm talking about today. But two, uh, my prayer is it'd be an encouragement for you. So like many moves of God, Remember New began with one person or a, a group and then a group of people who simply said yes to God. And Remember New's story, Remember New's story began with a man by the name of Carl Ralston. Here's a photo of Carl, our president and founder. This is a photo that I took of Carl last year in Romania when he was holding a bag of chips over his face. He has a great sense of humor, great man. We'll rewind back to 2003, okay? It's a, a, a couple years into everyone surviving Y2K, okay? 2003, Carl and his wife Lori at that time owned a successful insurance business in Akron, Ohio. 
and they would describe they were living the American dream at the time, had made a bunch of money. But Carl was, uh, the more he was surrendering his life to God, he was feeling like there was more that God had for him in his life. There's, there's something that he needed to do, that were a way God was calling him to serve. And through the direction of one of his mentors, Carl pressed in to start praying the verse Galatians 2.20 over his life every single day. For a few months. And every single day he started praying. If any of you are familiar with that verse, it's I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And Carl started praying this every day. God, my, my genuine desire is that it wouldn't be me and my life, but that Jesus would live through me. What do you want me to do? Ironically, the moment he started praying that, it seemed like God went silent in Carl's life. He, he says, and that went on for about 11 months where he felt like he couldn't hear from God. He, he describes it being similar to one time Carl read what Mother Teresa uh, called the dark night of the soul. Have any of you ever experienced a season in life where it seems like God's a million miles away? Um, I'm, I'm struggling to see how he's at work in my life, struggling to hear from him. Well, Carl went through this for about 11 months. And in that 11th month, he was invited by a friend from the church to go to a missions and leadership conference in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And on a whim, Carl cleared his schedule, hopped on the plane, and went. And while he was there, some missionaries were up front sharing about the problem of child trafficking in Southeast Asia. One of the stories Carl learned about was the story of a girl by the name of Chup Lee. She was a 16-year-old living in Cambodia. We'll go ahead and put her photo up on the screen. The missionaries showed this photo, um, Chup Lee at age 16. This photo was taken days before her family sold her to a brothel to become an underage prostitute. Next slide. This photo is of the same girl three years later, weeks before she died from HIV. Uh, many people are unaware today that 1.2 million children in the world are trafficked for sexual exploitation right now in our world. That number is from UNICEF, 1.2 million children each year in our world right now. It's very complex, extremely heartbreaking stuff. We have lots of kids, you know, in the gathering today, and I won't go into any details. If you want, you can learn more on Remember News website. But at the time when Carl was sitting at this conference, this shook him. Back in 2003, this was before there were some key documentaries that came out here in the West and before uh, human and specifically child trafficking came more into the spotlight. And Carl was just wrecked over this information. Well, then the missionary said, but there's been also some stories of hope in the midst of it. And next they shared the story of a young Cambodian girl named Nu. And we'll go ahead and put her picture up on the screen. Uh, Nu was a Vietnamese refugee living in Cambodia with her grandmother. Nu's parents were, were never in the picture. And uh, that's her second in from the left, the tallest in the photo there. Nu had become a Christian at the age of seven at the Sunday school in her village. She got baptized, came and shared her faith with her grandmother. Now, her grandmother didn't like that very much. Her grandmother was a Buddhist animist and in many ways punished Nu for becoming a Christian. Well, fast forward. When Nu was 12 years old, her grandmother got into trouble with some loan sharks and ended up selling Nu to a man for three days. Sold her virginity, where Nu had to go to a doctor who certified that she's a virgin. She had to go stay with this man at a hotel for three days, where she was obviously abused. Horrible, horrible experience in her life. One of those nights, the first time she was trafficked, after the perpetrator had fallen asleep, knew as a 12-year-old was crying out to God, confessing all the sin in her life, 
uh, trying to make sense of what was happening to her as a 12-year-old. But at one point, she prayed a prayer sitting there in the hotel. She prayed a prayer, God, I don't know why this is happening, why you've let this happen to me. I don't know what's going on. But because this has happened, would you somehow use my story to keep this from happening to other children? That was one of the prayers that she prayed. Carl is sitting here hearing this story, and in that moment, God breaks the 11 months of silence in his life, and he clearly hears God impress upon his heart two words, remember her, remember new. Now, at first, Carl didn't know what that meant. Um, he, uh, he went up to the missionary afterwards. He said, can, can you help me find her? He gave him a check, but ultimately, he had to come back home to the United States. And when he came back to America, long story short, God used this in his life to call he and his wife Lori. Um, they ended up committing every day for the rest of their lives to doing everything within their power to end the problem of child sex trafficking. They sold their insurance business. Carl began a master's degree studying uh, child sex trafficking in Asia. And he took six trips back and forth to Cambodia looking for new. And every time on these six trips that he went to Cambodia, all he had was this picture you see up on the screen. And he had learned that Vietnamese refugees in Cambodia lived in villages on the shores of one of two rivers, the Tonle Sap or the Mekong rivers in Cambodia. And so each time he went on these trips, he'd take this photo in a translator and he'd walk up and down these villages, everyone, and say, have you seen this girl? Do you know this girl? Have you seen this girl? Well, on the sixth trip in September of 2006, Carl found new. She had been trafficked a few more times since. Uh, at the time, she was working uh, at a cosmetolo doing cosmetology at a salon, and Carl shared with her through a translator. He said, God's used your story to call my wife and I to start an organization where the mission is ending child sex slavery through prevention. We're about to start our first girls' home in Cambodia, and we'd love for you to work in the home teaching the girls cosmetology because a key piece in uh, keeping children out of the sex trade is teaching them a marketable skill and trade to set them up for life. And after he shared and presented this to New, New through a translator said, I just have one question for you. When can I start? And in January of 2007, we opened our very first home in Cambodia. New was our very first employee. And here's one of the coolest parts. Since then, New has become Carl and Lori's daughter in their hearts. She calls them mom and dad. Years back, she moved out here to America with Carl and Lori. And in May of 2016, just about two years ago, she got married. Um, Carl walked her down the aisle as her father. And uh, here's next slide. This is New at her wedding in Hawaii. I got to be the wedding photographer and take these photos. That was fun. This is her with Carl and Lori. Next slide. This is her husband, Gabriel. Gabriel is an amazing man of God from a foreign place called Hillsboro, Oregon. Uh, he's so loving to his wife. And in this moment, New's story had come full circle. Here she was marrying an amazing man of God as a free woman by her own choice. And today, New is an amazing example of the agape love of Jesus and the power of his redemption. New's already begun to see how God has worked amazing things, somehow made something beautiful out of the horrible things that she's been through. Because since we opened our first home in 2007, God's done incredible things. Today, Remember New has 85 homes for children in 15 countries, and God has used New's story to prevent over 1,800 children from being trafficked into this stuff. Thank Praise God. 
Nu and Gabriel are here with us today. I'm going to invite them to come up to the stage at this time. Some of you may be unaware that 26 West is New and Gabriel's home church. So thank you for being such an amazing church to them. And we wanted to give an opportunity for you guys to say hi and share a little bit. Um, I thought that I'd ask you guys a couple questions. One, New, why don't you tell, you know, you've been married now two years. How's married life going? What are you doing for work? And all of that. Hello, everybody. <laughs> married is Greg. Gabriel is Greg husband. <laughs> uh, I went to school for hair and nails, and now I have a license for doing nails, and I work at the nail salon close to my house, and I also help remember you at speaking events. Yes, um, interesting. Her boss was giving her a hard time this week, last minute, with a schedule, because it, it's Mother's Day, and apparently Mother's Day is one of the biggest days of the year for pedicures with moms and daughters, and they're making her work today, so she's driving back and forth to be here for this part of the teaching from her other job, so thanks for being with us. Gabriel, um, I told everyone, I, you, know, you know I respect you, and I, I know you're such a loving husband and new. Um, what is it about your wife's story that inspires you as her husband? You know, um, this whole story, this whole circle coming back um, always Reminds me of uh, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And every single day, um, I just am blown away on why God would bless me with a wife like new. And it, you know, as men, we're called to be the spiritual leaders of our home. And you got to be that example. And just being in scripture every day putting Jesus first in our lives, that love that you receive from your heavenly father reflects back into your marriage. So when you're filled with God's love, there's a lot more outpour for your marriage and for your spouse. Amen. Uh, New, you know, people, we hear your story and people always wonder, how, how have you been able to find healing and hope in your life? God help. Um, I know that God healed me. And he was with me the whole time. And I just think about positive thing in life. And it's helped me heal. It's mm. wonderful. Um, you guys get to share at your home church today. What's it been like to be a part of this community at 26 West Church? Is there anything you guys would want to say to these people? So we, um, we actually met at uh, uh, West Side of Jesus Church, um, and that's where, that was our home church for a few years, and then um, my job relocated me to the Tannisborn area, so we found a place to live over here, and for the first few months, we were still going to West Side um, in Tigert, but then we always remembered, I know there's a Jesus Church around here close by, <laughs> and, we, know Jose, and we, know, we knew Jose from uh, some of the mission trips for Remember New, so one day we're like, you know, I... I told my I told New I'm like we just gotta let me just look it up, five minutes away, and <laughs> we uh, we started coming here. I think it's been a little over five months or so. Um, so welcoming. We love this community. We feel a tighter um, relationship here. Um, like this, the first day we were we got here, 
We met so many people. We got introduced to a missional community and been a part of that ever since. And we just love everyone that we have met so far. There's still more people we want to meet. But we feel God's love and God's work working so hard through everyone here at 26 West. Mm. Uh, maybe the last question I'll ask for you, New. You know, it's Mother's Day today. And uh, you've been through so much in your life with family um, from so many different angles. What, for those who are here with us today where Mother's Day is a difficult day and uh, they, they're carrying pain and family, what would you want to say to them? I didn't grow up with no mom and dad. I understand that feeling no family. It is a hard time. But just think that Jesus is your family. He always hear you, and he listened to you when you needed him. Mm. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I just wanted to point out, English is actually New's fourth language. So she does a pretty good job with English for being the fourth language. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you again for being such a wonderful church to this amazing couple. And I just wanted to say to close, um, guys, if God can bring beauty and healing in the life of a sister like this, who's, he could somehow make something beautiful out of the horrors that she's been through. I just want to say today, there's, that means there's hope for you. Wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, there's hope for you. Trust me. As you come to Jesus, his grace is sufficient. Uh, families, stay faithful in the role God's called you to play in the nuclear family. If you're blessed with that, don't take it for granted. Honor your mother today. Stay faithful. Those of us who are hurting, let's come to Jesus today for healing and hope. And last of all, if you're new to all of this, the gospel is so beautiful. God wants you. He's the God who comes to you with all the failure, the pain, brokenness in your life, and he says, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little boy. He's like the father that walks up and down the shorelines of the river saying, have you seen him? Have you seen her? God's love is here for you today. I'm going to hand it over to Jose to close. Man. I'm usually a blubbering mess. Now I'm a double blubbering mess because uh, uh, th this, when we thought about and planned, when do we share, we, we thought it's risky to do it on Mother's Day, but um, I'm glad we've taken the risk because it's a beautiful time when is, we usually take people for granted to remember some people don't have what you have. And maybe what you have is pretty messed up. But just remember Apart from Jesus, there are others who, who don't even have the hope that you have with a family that's been fractured. So um, we want to respond in worship to Jesus together. Uh, a couple of things. If you're not yet following Jesus, wow, may today be the inspiration to push you over the edge. He's, he's for New and he's for Gabriel and he's for Ian and he's for, he's for you. So as we worship, just invite him. Jesus, you know my mess. I want to follow you do what I cannot do, rescue me. And uh, that experience will begin for you. I also want to let you know too, because some of you are already compelled, like, okay, what are we doing? Uh, as a church, we've been behind Remember New uh, through your giving. Um, this is interesting. When we sensed in our soul that Remember New was one of the organizations and Myanmar was one of the places, 
knew and Gabriel weren't coming here. Like there was no connection. It's not like, oh, you're coming here. Let's support your cause. That was not even the case. Uh, so we see God's confirming hand. We are giving uh, today, as a matter of fact, I even have the check, uh, $10,000 from your giving to help remember new. And I called in when our elders met and said, what should we do? And we all agreed, let's start with $10,000 on top of what many of you already do to support. And uh, I, I said, Ian, would that be helpful? Uh, and, and what would it help Myanmar? He went back and did the math. There are 18 kids right now who don't have a sponsor. The way they bring these children out of their terrible environment is they buy land, create a home, get moms like new as a mom, and dads in the home to help them and protect them, provide education, medical care, food, and the gospel teach them the way of Jesus. And he's, he's like, I did the math, Jose, and $10,000 is going to cover every unsponsored child in Myanmar for one year. Isn't that cool? Oh, we're a part of that. Yeah. What a rejoice. So that comes down to, you math majors, it's $555 to care for a young person for one year. $46 for one month. And we wanted to do that together. So through your regular giving, that's already been covered. But as you go, after we worship and you leave, there is a table. Ian will be there. Lonnie will be there. Some others will be there. Um, and the photos of those children are on the table. And we're not asking you to sponsor them. You already did. But don't just grab it. If you were moved and you're like, you know what? I'm supposed to be involved somehow, then there are two photos for every child that are there. And if you really feel compelled and you commit to do this, take their photo, put it on your fridge or somewhere that's very um, public and pray for them every day. Consider writing them a note of encouragement. If you'll commit to do that for the next year, then I would encourage you to take that. The money's been provided and uh, be like, Jose, that's not enough. Like, if you want to sponsor another child or even one of those, uh, you can just go to Remember News website and there's plenty of children around the world who need a sponsor. We, we don't want to force you to do that or say we have to do 50 in a day, but we want to provide that opportunity. If you want to do that, go to RememberNew.org and, and, and be part of it. Well, why don't you stand and let's um, respond and worship to Jesus. Lord, Thank you for reminding us of your love. Thank you for reminding us of your mission to rescue the world through family. And now we invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to take the word of God and make it real to our own soul. Lord, you know our hurts. You know our wandering. You know our pain. You know our mistakes. You know our sins. You know our past. You know our rebellion. You know our good. Now we come to you with open hands and an open mind and an open heart to receive from you. Holy Spirit, come, come and bring healing, come and bring wholeness, come and restore.